right, what a weekend. Starts with uh, Joe and I going to the bar and watching Candle lose. Tiba Hutchinson, so close, dude. So inches, close. inches away. Osario, too. Very close. On yeah, the same play. The Atiba one. Yeah. I was hoping that they were going to do my favorite thing in all of soccer and all of sports, actually, in terms of signaling. There's nothing better than VAR yeah, going right, to the yeah. box. <laughs> What's better than that? What do you guys think is the best action? Charging is good in NBA. Mm-hmm. Charging is really good. Just especially when refs do it. There's certain umpires that do really good strike calls. Like yeah. a good strike three punch out is pretty nasty, pretty nasty call. But sometimes you go, all right, settle down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you want to you do that a little too much. Like I hate umpires. If I had to, this is now I'm changing the power rankings. What's the referees you hate the most in what sport? The referees I hate the most. I hate umpires the most for sure. Umpires are probably yep. one NBA number two. Pete? Well, after that, Leafs. Lightning game. Oh, you hate any Ooh. ref who refs the Leafs games. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, part of the cons- you're part of the truthers, eh? Yeah. Yeah. The people who really believe that there's an agenda against the league's biggest team. You know, it's coming to light, though, you know? Yeah, it really we'll is. be exposed. That was a bad game. That was a really bad game. Normally, I actually think hockey is pretty good because mm, yeah. I'm a big... I know everyone goes, call the rule book, call the rule book, call the rule book. I'm... I think that's really hard to do every single night. What I usually look for is consistency. And I would say this season, especially playoffs are always tough because you're, you're so amped up, right? Mm -hmm. You're so amped up that every call that goes against you, you, you lock away in your heart and remember forever. (laughs) You do, you do ask people, people I know will talk about Ben Revere and the strike zone in 2015 till the day they die. (laughs) That will, that will be something that they carry till they die. Think about your guys' parents, mine too, the high stick, Mm, mm. right? You carry that stuff till you die because you're so amped up. For the most part, I think that officiating has been pretty good this year in the NHL. Mm -hmm. The games that I've watched, I haven't felt like there were as many games that were as bad as Saturday nights against the Lightning. I I really felt that way. It was a good, it was a good, fun game, enjoyable hockey game. Ref stunk. They were up and down. One minute they were calling it tight, and then the next minute they were swallowing the whistles. I hate that. I hate when officials do that. And the worst part is, is that if you talk about it and you comment on the Toronto Maple Leaf fans, you get all the people that go, here you go, Toronto, yeah, exactly. crying away, you about to cry. And I go, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I think NHL officials are probably, I don't like the big five sports. They're the best. probably the best. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, th- I don't think, like NFL has their problems. Soccer has big problems all the time. And then Boy, it was hilarious and missing that offside, though, too. Yeah. On the second goal that got called back. Mm-hmm. Went, what yeah. are you looking at? Your whole job is the linesman. That's your name. It's right there. Look at where the puck is. Look where the line is. He was like five feet offside. That was the fastest challenge in the history of hockey. It was absurd. It was horrific. Yeah, no, I, ugh, I hate all refs is what I'm really coming to, is that if there's one thing I really, truly hate with a passion, it's officials. It's yeah. Which sucks because I really do have a theory that we need to treat refs better in mm-hmm. society in order to get better ones into the games. Right. Like we, it's, did you guys ever ref as kids? No. No? Joe? I considered it, but I never did it. No. no. It's, it's excruciating sometimes to watch. Yeah. Yeah. My mom always talks about me being a goalie and how hard it was for her to watch me play net, especially when I'd let in bad goals. <laughs> and the other <laughs> hockey parents would be like, 
oh, that's fine. <laughs> you know? But I can't imagine being a ref parent. That's got to be top of the mountain, top tier, the absolute worst of the worst. There, just there are moments, right, where, and this sucks because this is on bad parents usually who are super rude, but other kids, you know, getting in their face. A lot of times the officials, sometimes they have kids who are the same age or younger officiate some games, even mm-hmm. if it's older people. Yeah, anyway, just being a ref stinks. It's a, not a good position to be in. Who wants to be a ref? Usually good money, but not worth the squeeze. If we made refs better, if we cherished referees the way that we did athletes, but they had to live in anonymity... You know, mm. like no one could see their idea, something, <laughs> something so they couldn't be the show. We'd have to figure out something like that's why priests couldn't marry. Right. Is because they were just too powerful. If they were able to pass on what they had, they could challenge the monarchy. Right? I, I never compared refs to priests. That's it. No, but that's it. We can't make them. We can't make them the guys who can also officiate the games, mm. but also be loved and cherished by society, right? It's too much power. So that's, you have true, to have, that's true. You have to live a life of anonymity. There's got to be yeah. some way, there's got to be some theory about making this work. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, it sucks that Canada soccer's out. I got to admit, I'm in World Cup, just can't do it right now. Mm. I watched a little bit of the USA-Netherlands game, and by a little bit, I mean the entire game. Um, <laughs> All 90 minutes? Yeah. That's a good game. Yeah. Now, I think Netherlands is going to win. You think Netherlands is going to win? Yeah, I love the goalie. He's my theory. <laughs> Did, have you heard the story about that guy? What, he's just a freak? Well, no, he, he he didn't even play t- for the Netherlands national team until this year. See, like, he oh wasn't, my god, he no wasn't way. he wasn't supposed okay. to be the number one goalie. <laughs> the take is back. The take is back. Anybody he, can be a soccer goalie if they're tall. He, and big he, and he wasn't. Oh, <laughs> I remember yeah, from last that's time. That's what I'm saying. It's he bad. wasn't. He wasn't even supposed to start this tournament until just like of like, like, uh, like three, four weeks ago. <laughs> but he's big, and then, tall, and long. He just played great, yeah. and they were like, "All right, well, you're now our number one." And exactly. he was playing like fourth, fifth tier stuff. Give LeBron six months, okay? LeBron's, who was the guy for USA back then? Tim Howard? Tim uh, Howard. People, look at Tim Howard. Goes, Give me a break, Tim Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Howard versus LeBron. Get out of here. Anyway, so it sucks. I'm down on that. Raps have been, this is actually an interesting game tonight because they play in uh, a real team. Hey, a real team. Because the last two real teams you played, you got smacked to the tune of <laughs> 81 points in the first two quarters combined against those first two teams. And then they beat the Magic, and people went, mm. the Raptors had a wake-up call. I went, it was the Magic, yeah, okay? The magic. Let's, that's a, that does not count. I'm sorry. The Orlando Magic still do not count. I'm excited <laughs> about Paolo. I'm excited about potentially some of their future as well, but not yet. They don't count. Leafs. I'm going to start by saying this. I'm really impressed that they were able, able to even hang and get a point off a Lightning team that was fully healthy, fully engaged, had something to play for where they came out and – we're pretty amped up after the Stamco ceremony. You could tell the first eight, seven, eight minutes of that mm-hmm. game were just a complete Tampa Bay domination show. Yeah. I said this on Leafs talk, but it was the first game where I really felt like you could notice how banged up the Leafs blue line was. All of, all of a sudden, Mac Hollowell being Pete's size mattered. All of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden I noticed Pete back there, a pair of Pete's with Mete and Hollowell getting hemmed in when Maroon came on the ice at the same time as those guys. Were, oh, it's not so hot. This isn't so good. They couldn't break the puck out all night. It was a it was a tough sled. Matt Murray had his worst game since his first game as the Leafs starting goaltender. Um, but they were right there. They were right there with one of the teams that is going to be the best in the NHL. I'm a little annoyed that they continue to lose in overtime just because they've been so hot and they've been collecting so many points that if you just look at the standings and they were able to win even half of these games or four of these six losses, whatever, 
They'd be right there with Boston, and you'd be having real talk about trying to win the division and avoid the potential matchup with the Lightning, which is going to be a pain in the ass and yeah. staring down this entire season. That was the reminder of last night was right. Yeah, These two teams are probably going to play again. Ugh. The playoff format sucks. It's horrific. It's I cannot believe that ever. it's continued to go this way. And the league would argue that they're thrilled with it because they. here's the thing about hockey. They love the first round. Yeah. They really <laughs> do. They get so much attention in the first round because anybody can win, and that's when the NBA sucks. Is Who's watching, you know, usually, oh, the eight-seed Charlotte Hornets have gotten in against the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, oh, it's over in four games? Wow. <laughs> what a completely oh, four-game sweep. Huh, yeah, cool. exactly. The NBA's first round usually is a bit of a dud. It hasn't been lately. It's been a little bit better recently, but even still, hockey's claim to fame usually is, hey, anybody can win in our league. Mm-hmm. Now they've taken it a bit too far, I would argue, with the parity, but either way, first round is really good. They love having those interconference, interdivisional matchups. That's awesome. But... Yeah, that night was a real reminder of what a slog it's going to be. And, you know, we had Elliot on Friday. Elliot Friedman came Mm -hmm. on. You were off, Pete. But he did say, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it. We talked about what the Leafs' priorities are right now. And I've been making the case that they should go out and try to find some help up front. I think they're going to still try to do both this year, that they would evaluate this team and say, hey, we've got one of the best five teams in hockey again. Go go through the standings. Even if you're Leaf hater, whatever, you think they're a choker, whatever, or you're way over the top with them and you think they're always the best team like Pete and that they're just, you know, got bad bounces all the time. <laughs> they're clearly one of the best five teams in hockey. You just, you cannot make a case. You can't go find me five teams that are definitely better than them, that you feel better than the Leafs right now in the NHL. But he talked about going out and getting another defenseman, somebody with a little bit of sandpaper, a little bit of grit, a little bit of edge. And that game against Tampa was a reminder as to why they're doing that. Because you can get away throughout the regular season against a lot of these opponents and look totally fine back there with all of the skill, the talent, the coaching, the forwards buying in the way that they have, the goaltender playing the way that he is, and, and get by and not really have anybody notice. But when you play Tampa, you, you really felt that. You really felt that loss. And yeah, obviously TJ Brody is going to help that a lot. And so is Morgan Riley. They're going to actually be able to break the puck out when they have Morgan Riley. But yeah, having another blue liner back there who can give you what Muzzin was supposed to give you, it did feel like... That was a reminder of why that's still a priority to me anyway. Um, But number one is Mitch Marner. 19 points or 19 games in a row with a point. So I really love uh, flow state. I'm really into what it is to be in a flow state, right? Mm. What that actually means and what happens when an athlete is in it. I'm hoping that... We're going to get Jason Robertson on the show today, Uh, not on this podcast, but that I'm going to tape an interview with him later this afternoon. And I kind of want to talk to him about this as well. Just the idea of time feeling different, space feeling different, you reacting without thinking, just doing, being in a state where everything comes more easily to you. And to me, that's what we're seeing a little bit with Mitch Marner is this guy is in a flow state and he's been able to extend it through multiple games. He's playing with a level of confidence and a mix of joy that I don't think that we've seen before from Mitch. And I've talked about identity player, identity player, identity player all this time. And and people always view that as uh, being disparaging towards someone else. You can never compare any two people without people viewing that as, oh, you're being negative about the other person. But no. I really do think that right now Mitch Marner is the Leafs' identity player. 
That doesn't even necessarily mean that he'll finish the season as their top guy, whatever. But the idea that you can be that on a team with Austin Matthews is really incredible. Yeah. And what I think we're seeing right now is a guy who is just in that flow state. If you're looking at him on a forecheck, turning pucks over, breaking the puck out of his own end, making plays for other people, how many of those passes right now, like he looks bigger than he actually is. And he looks a little bit like, I think the most, this is the way I'll put it. Instead of comparing him to someone and getting everybody mad in, uh, Do it. in a certain part of the country, <laughs> I think one of the most complimentary things that you can have is where it just seems like there is way more space around you than there actually is. Mm-hmm. And when I'm watching Mitch Marner, that's how it feels. Like he's just, he's got a ton of space. That defenses are on their heels when they're watching him and that he is just finding passing lanes. He's shooting the puck. He's yeah. actually shooting the puck less than he did last year. I was looking up these stats, and I was trying to find it and go, well, what about over the sample size to try to spin some stat? <laughs> not not doable. He's actually shooting it less, but he's shooting with confidence. He's getting that little low blocker that he loves to pick. So, yeah, I just, I'm incredibly impressed, and I'm enjoying this a lot. Mm-hmm. And my buddy Sam McKee posed to me, is this more enjoyable than last year watching Matthews? And no, it's similar. Matthews was brilliant last year, and I don't want to lose focus to that. But what Mitch Marner is doing right now, just enjoy it for what it is, because it's very rare watching... Yeah, it's one of the greatest hockey players on the planet right now, playing at his very, very peak, having that mix of the confidence, the joy, the energy. Yeah, everything all coming together at once is is very, very fun. Enjoy it. Uh, Christopher Stieg, the Clever app, which again, all coaches, um, make sure that you get it, make sure that you look into it because it will help you a lot. Two-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh, what's up, buddy? How we doing? Well, I'm excited you called me to bring me back on the show. So thanks yeah. for having me, Jay. Well, yeah, I... Uh, I saw your Spotify rap the other day. I messaged you and it was, you wanted to be a DJ. You told me you were always the dressing room DJ and I saw that Spotify rap and I went, no, you can't. It was be my it. kid. It yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what everybody says now. They, it was like, play Marshmallow. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. Okay. It was I'm, bad. It was really bad. <laughs> you shared it publicly. You were proud. You went, look at me go. And I went, no, you should tie that. It's like, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, ah, oh, it was my kids, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blame my children for my Spotify list. Yeah, no, I'll you, take it. Yeah, you got to take it. You got to take it. Okay, so um, I was just talking a lot about Marner, and uh, you ever, how would you ever describe that to, to us about being in a flow? Do you remember a time like that throughout your career where you just kind of hit it, where every single night you felt just in a completely different groove as a player? Yeah, I was about seven years old, and uh, every time I yeah. showed up to the rink, I knew I was going to get one or two. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. probably the last time I felt what Mitch Myers felt. Um, but there is a flow state. There is something when you're at your best, I think you are touching on it a little bit before, is everything around you slows down a bit. Uh, your plays seem to hit on, you know, high percentage. So whether it's a pass that might have been risky before and you're, you're hitting at 50, 60 percent, you're getting it at 90 to 100. You just you don't know why, but everything seems to be working. And obviously with Mitch, that's, that's what's impressive. For myself, I know everyone likes to watch different players. You know, some guys like to watch goals. I love watching goals. I love watching playmakers because I feel like it was a little bit of what I did. I like to be a bit of a pass-first guy before a shot. Mm-hmm. And those are the guys that are insanely valuable uh, to create the plays, to start the plays. The D-man, in the, the D-man with the great first pass out of the zone, right? Some people don't like to look at that, and they don't even look at that at all. But that's the same with Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner gets back in his own. He gets it. He makes a little outlet pass, 10, 15, 20 feet to a guy with speed. He hops up in the play, gets it back. There's just so much creativity that needs to go in to making those plays. 
and to creating space. And that's what I love to watch. And like you said, a guy in flow state, when he's feeling well, he has tons of room around him and he's making plays. It's uh, it's very fun to watch for well, me. Well, the, the other part of it that's really fun too is seeing the way that his teammates are reacting to it constantly. And, and this to me is where it's lead by example, right? You just see kind of guys fall into what he's doing. They're looking for him. They're finishing off of like his plays. It just, how much can a team feed off the energy of one guy when they're in a state like that? Well, what, what were we talking about? What was it a month ago when the, when the walls were burning down, mm-hmm. we we're going to play Boston and Carolina and everything was burning down. And you said, we're going to need, you know, this lineup isn't deep enough or good enough to most likely win a Stanley cup. Mm-hmm. But what they're going to need to get back into it is heroic efforts from Matthews, Marner, Nylander and Tavares really. And, and that's what they've kind of put their eggs in one basket. And Marner seemed to be the guy kind of since then that gives you a heroic effort every night and it bleeds into the rest of the team. And I think the players at the bottom of the lineup know it. I know they're scoring at a little bit higher of a clip, but still he's going out there and he's giving you one, two, three points a night consistently. He's the guy putting in a heroic effort and the other guys at the bottom of the lineup know what he's doing is special because he's basically carrying the load for them. So mm-hmm. I would be patting him on the back every time I can, too, because if he wasn't doing it and we were losing, well, then, you know, the house is burning down again. So uh, it's just crazy what he's doing individually each and every night to carry the load, and they they should show him love each and every play. Yeah, and they are. Like, you see the way the other night he ties the streak and he gets the reception in the dressing room. And, yeah, just the way that guys seem to be celebrating him on the ice, the way that he's even been talking – to the media when he's had to, you can just see a guy who really does feel like he's, he's, I don't I want to say coming into his own because I'm sure there's been some of that over the last couple of years, but just, he just seems really happy right now. He seems very confident and yeah, I don't want to say unshakable because that's going to be determined later in the season. But as of right now, this, this is the best I've ever seen him look. And you can look back at his stats and you can say, oh, well, there were actually stretches and there was this, there's no, this, this is it. He, he's reached the, the apex of what his game is. We'll see if he can ever unlock anything more. It's kind of hard to believe because the way that he's going right now is so incredible. But yeah, no, the, the team is, again, feeding off of his energy. He's, I don't want to say carrying them because those four top guys have been all really damn good in their own right. But it, it says something too that he's standing out amongst all of them. Um, the one thing that I can't really put my finger on though, I mentioned this to you, it's like they they suck on three on three. They, they can't win. This is six games in a row where they've lost three on three. And... Yeah, nobody can really seem to figure out the theories as to why, but their coach made them practice it. And, and I wonder how, what you read into them actually having to practice three-on-three, three, how common that is in the NHL. Well, when you go on a schneid, whether it's three-on-three, it's three, four-on-four back in the day shootout, the coach always resorts back to practicing it because it is strictly a confidence thing and a lot of time attention to detail. I mean, you look at the first play that kind of led to the turnover is a bit of a lax play by a bit of a lax play by Matthews. And then all of a sudden it's turned over. He gets back and I know he gets to the center of the ice, but he gives Kalorn a lot of space. Now it's a bad goal period. Yeah. Right. But you're going into, you're going into overtime already understanding that, Hey, it's five in a row losses. Um, we need to be, you know, we have to have some sort of attention to detail. And I think right off that play where he kind of just threw it uh, soft into the slot was a bit of a lack of attention to detail and also coming back into your zone. So, I think being a little lax and then also with no confidence is another thing. And, you know, with the shots coming in on that, again, it's a shot from the outside, which Murray should have. Yeah. Uh, 
the confidence is shaken and it's clearly not there at that point of the game. Obviously leading out to the rest of the game, they're, they're very confident now and they're playing very well. But those pieces, you know, shootout, same thing. I've been on teams where, you know, we're great teams, but we get to the shootout and we just can't close it out and shoot out. It just comes back down to confidence. So they want to practice it. You know, I only practiced, I remember, three-on-three three one or two times in my entire career, and that was when three-on-three three came into the league with Carolina, and I think I had one or two three-on-three three shifts that year. And then, that go? Yeah, they realized I was too slow, so they said no more. <laughs> so I never practiced three-on-three three since 2016. Um, but, yeah, it's it, it comes strictly down to detail and, and to confidence. Well, this is what's weird about it, right, to me, is when we were talking about Marner and flow state and how all of a sudden you're just doing things without thinking. That's the way that it's always described is you mentioned one of them, which is the one of the tenets of it is that um, perception of time always seems to be altered when people are in a flow state. But the, the other is that with your mechanics – you, you just start to do things without thinking about them. And usually when you're like choking, it's the grip the stick too tight thing, right? You start thinking about things too much. All of a sudden you put too much attention to detail to things that you would do normally and you start to slip and make mistakes. But what's strange about yeah. them is it looks like the opposite where it's an attention to detail thing. Like they're almost trying to prove they don't care about it, that it's in their heads, that it's yips by playing too lackadaisical. Is that, does that theory run at all for you? Because that's all I can come up with right now. Yeah, I, again, I just think it comes back down to confidence. You're talking about flow state. There's a lot of things that go into that, and, I, and it's going to lead into the, what I'm about to say. But, you know, if you're making plays at a high clip and you're feeling good and then all of a sudden you go out there and score, it feels great. But when things are going bad, you talk about gripping the stick. You're trying to make a little backhand soft pass to the center of the ice. You know it's in the time of the game where you've been struggling lately. It doesn't work out. That creates another level of frustration, right? Now it's from the coaching staff. The coaching staff starts to press the players. The players start to press their sticks. It's just, it keeps going down and down. So maybe that little play right there, there's been a lot of them in, in the overtimes. Maybe that ticks off Keith. It tick, it, then he gets on top of the player. The player starts to grip the stick. The confidence goes down and it's all out the window. And then again, they come down, they take an outside shot, it goes in the net, and it just levels it up again. So what are they going to do in the next overtime? How are they going to come about attacking three-on-three rather than just relying on soft plays throughout the ice to create offense? So they're going to have to create their own scoring uh, chances. It's going to have to come from attention to detail. The coaching staff, again, I don't know what it's like in the room. I haven't talked to anyone, but I would assume that they're going to start stressing this at some point soon again. And how much pressure are they going to put on the players if they don't have any attention to detail? And then how much do the players care about what Sheldon's saying in overtime? And they obviously do because they're own six. Yeah, it's weird, man. It's just, it's a, it's a strange one. And I, I'm trying not to overreact to it too much because I do realize that Every team makes turnovers in overtime, and yeah, what happens if Matt Murray just ends up making a what is a pretty routine save? Do they end up winning that and then kind of goes away because they get one on Vasilevsky? Who knows? But yeah, it's, it's becoming, I guess, as big of a sample as you can sort of get in a regular season. And yeah, it's just it has not been impressive, and there have been some markers of, yeah, the same thing kind of over and over. I, don't, I just don't know if it's, uh, it's too much confirmation bias. So a couple of other things from that game for me. One is that... Yeah, their blue line just it was noticeable that they had these injuries, right? They they were tiny back there and they they couldn't break the puck out against a really good Tampa team and it was just a okay, good. This team's going to get TJ Brody back, they're going to get Morgan Riley back. They're probably not going to get Jake Muzzin and I was talking to Elliot Freeman on Friday and he was talking about how the Leafs priority um, when it comes to how they want to utilize the extra cap space they have this season is probably going to be on the back end trying to ensure that they, they get another defenseman who can play some minutes and who can give them a little bit of snarl back there. I, I keep using different adjectives to describe 
what he actually said. Well, I should remember it, but I, I can't. I just, that's not how my brain's working today. But uh, the other thing from that game I couldn't help but feel is, so Holmberg takes a penalty. It's whatever. It's just a, it's, he probably just should finish a check and instead he ends up getting a tripping call. And I actually like him. I think that he's a good player. He's a nice find for the Leafs. He's someone that gives them a little bit of depth at a position they don't have a lot of, blah, 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 blah. He's just been, he's been solid. Keith loves him. He's, you know, you and I had a conversation a couple months, maybe a month ago about what they need in their bottom six, right? Guys who can just make sure that they don't make mistakes and that can kill the, the clock until their stars get back out on the ice. I do think that he's one of those guys almost already. But if you're in an all-in season where you're really trying to win, you're one of the best five teams in hockey, you're going to use up uh, some pick capital, I'd really like to see the Leafs add a different third center. And you played with somebody who I wonder if we're going to end up ramping up the discussion about a little bit more. And, and that's John Taves. Do you think that he would want to leave Chicago? Like that he's going to want to get traded or push his way out of there. What, what do you think happens with him? Because everyone's talked about Kane and I feel like he, he gets a little bit overlooked. It's so interesting. First on Pontus Holmberg, I actually played with him in Vekwa in Sweden when he was a young teenager, just drafted to the Leafs. So I've actually known him for quite a long what time. I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, you know what? He's a player that was exactly like then as he is now. He's stable. Um, he gives you a solid effort. He's he's actually more skilled than you think he would be. Uh, he can skate well. He's smart. He's not going to ever be a high offensive guy, just like in Sweden. He'd get on the power play, but he didn't have high creativity. He just had, again, very solid, very good stick, good speed, smart guy. The guy that you use in the depth of your lineup. But you're talking about Taser now. This is this is interesting to me in the fact of what is Chicago going to try to do? Are they going to try to acquire picks and assets for Taze and Kane and these guys? Or are they actually going to let them go to where they want and give them their opportunity to win with another team? Now, they talked about winning three Stanley Cups, already having everything they need, their legacies engraved. How much more do they want to win? After, or after knowing them for as many years as I do, they want to win every time they step foot on the ice. Mm-hmm. They're the most clutch players I've ever played with. They love playing the game, and they're there to win. So I do believe they're going to want to go somewhere. Uh, again, Kane's situation is a little bit different with the record book, but Taze, I do believe for sure he's going to want to go somewhere and try to win. And if it is Toronto, that is a perfect fit. That's a guy that could add some value offense. You can push him up in the lineup if you're pushing at the end of the game and you want to load up a line, put Taze on the wing or Taze at center and Matthews on the wing. There's a lot of cool line combinations you could do if you add him at that third line center. And he's a guy that's been there. He's done that. He oozes confidence when he's playing well. He's actually playing really good this year. And I just want the Blackhawks to send him where he wants to go and not care about the picks. He's given that organization millions of dollars, rings, everything. They owe it to him to get him to where he wants to go without pushing all the other teams on, hey, you got to give us 10 picks and, and this and that. Let him go. I don't know. Give it a fourth or fifth round or send it off to Chicago retain half the cap space after everything that guy's done to you. I know people are thinking I'm insane for saying that. You can't just do that. The, the, the Hawks can't. Yeah, they can. When you've won three Stanley Cups and you've done it for that team and given your body all year for, what is it, 15 years now, those two, they should be deciding where and when they want to go. And Toronto, I think, could be an interesting place. They, they played in a big market like Chicago. Obviously, Toronto's bigger, but they understand what the level of pressure is. They know what it takes to win, and I would love to see Taser fit in that third slot. Yeah, so would I. I think it's a really, really good player fit. I think it's a really good personality fit. Um, 
I don't know. I think Chicago would probably want the best of both worlds with a situation like that. And, and I don't I think know. I don't know it. their management though, JD. Like again, sorry to cut you well, off. Well, their like, management leaked. A, they they yeah. talked at least with the Leafs. They've done. They talked during last deadline, and then those discussions got leaked. And Dubas and Leafs were pretty pissed off about it. That was the yeah. flurry stuff where they asked for Nyes and. Uh, Hagel was involved, which thank God, because boy, Hagel would not be having a good time in Toronto if he was traded for Matthew Nyes based on the way that he's played for Tampa. And then um, this past offseason, they made a big trade where Chicago was kind of killed for it because they only asked for a, a trade back to take on the Morazic money and obviously really helped out the Leafs. So there, there's obviously still a relationship there. Um, and yeah, Chicago is probably not too concerned about eating money on the, the final end of his year of his deal. I just... I have a tough time believing that one Taves wouldn't want the organization to get something too. that there wouldn't be a small part of him that upon exiting would still say, Hey, I don't want you to just trade nothing for me. Right. Like, wouldn't you want it to be like a wanted no. poster where I, no, I'm yeah. not, I'm not kidding you. Yeah. I, yeah, sure. Taves, yeah. Give me no, no. Yeah. You know what he's done for that organization. He should, again, I know Taves, like maybe Taves does think like that to a certain extent. Like, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I don't want the organization to get completely fleeced here. But at the end of the day, I don't care. This guy, like, I've been to war, like, again, not literal war, but I've been yeah. to war with him for years, right? Like, I, I've seen what he's done, his body, the injuries he's played through, everything he's done for that city. They should do whatever he wants. And if they don't, yeah. Oof. That's, but do you? I mean, but I, I again, I don't know the management there. I don't know the, the people there. Sure. I don't know everything since the new life cycles came in. Um, I I don't like. I'm not a huge fan of what. Like I like. I understand what they're doing. I'm not a huge fan of a few things they're doing mm-hmm. uh, as the Blackhawks. So again, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just want them to do what's best for those guys after what they've done. Right. But if you think about it, this is why I would explain they would probably do the best of both worlds because. Let's say, well, he is going to be available. That's that's unless he says he wants to stay, he's going to be available. There's only a handful of teams that are just actual contenders, right? There's a lot of fringe teams, and I'm guessing that he wouldn't want to go to one of those, right? Like, he's not going to want to go to the Islanders, right? And that tier below or the Panthers tier below. It's going to be teams like Boston, Toronto. I don't know, maybe the Devils and Hurricanes. He views um, Dallas, the Golden Knights. That that to me is like the tier. But you know who the team that's in there? That would be really interesting. Is Winnipeg is good, and yeah, I wonder if he. I would. Yeah, I would wonder if he would want to finish his career or have like a year at home and try to win a Stanley Cup there. That's that's the one scenario when you're talking about hey, they got to take less, and he tells them that's where I want to be. That that would be the one that worries me. You think he'd want to go home? He's that kind of guy. Yeah, he could be that kind of guy. He mm. he loves Winnipeg. I mean, damn, there's a lake named Taze Who Lake. Who loves Winnipeg though? Yeah. Like honestly, even if you're from there, no offense, Winnipeg, yeah. but come on. John does, yeah, um, but <laughs> that could be a situation. And I didn't think Winnipeg was going to be that good this year, but he yeah. could be another guy that fits really well in that lineup. Um, yeah, I, it, it could be, it could be a situation. I mean, I've never really given it that much thought because mm-hmm. I haven't really thought Winnipeg, even though they're winning right now and they're doing good, I still don't see them as a contender quite yet. I just see a team that, you know, got a good coach in there. He changed a bit of the culture. Paul Maurice is, a good coach, but for me, the way he coaches with the defense and um, not letting his guys be freed up to make plays consistently, it always has worried me a little bit. Now he goes to Florida and you can see that has mm-hmm. kind of been a, a problem, but so Rick bonus comes in, he does a good thing. He creates a new culture. He does what he needs to do. The players are playing at a high clip. 
I just don't see them as a contender, but it could be a place, like you said, that John wants to go. He wants to go home and play in front of friends and family. I know I did it myself. I am a pigeon compared to John, but I know I loved going home to play in front of all of them at the Saddle Dome. So mm-hmm. it could be something that he looks to do. Yeah. I I would just think that that's one of those scenarios that you're outlining, where a team like Winnipeg is saying, we're, we're not going all in for Taves, right? We're not giving up picks, like major picks, to acquire a player this year at the deadline. We feel yeah. the way that you do, which is that this year has been a complete bonus, and who knows if it ends up actually uh, sustaining to this degree. I, I don't put them in the top tier, top class with the other teams that I mentioned before them, but that, yeah, if they were a team that came calling and said, hey, we'd like to get our hats in the ring and Taves went, yeah, I'd like to go home. The only thing is I would go, why not? If I'm, and if you're him saying their window is actually one where you're not signing there later, right? You're not doing the Claude Giroux thing where it looks like a team on the come up. There's a lot of their guys that are aging, I think, out of their primes. And so if he wanted to be there, this would kind of be the year. Anyway, I just... Yeah. That, that Wait, w- how many years does Wheeler have left? Ooh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how many he has left off the top of my head, but yeah, I would just say that, that to me is more of a, how many years do, does he and Shifley have left in there? He's got yeah. two years left on his deal, but yeah, those guys, how many years do they have left where they're going to be able to be ultra competitive? I would say probably not too many. Um, so maybe he does that, but I, I think the fit for Toronto would be great. And that's exactly what they need. They've talked about killer instinct and needing guys who have been there before and who would change the complexion of the room when they're in a tight game. Well, who would be better to look uh, at in a dressing room in a game seven than him? Here's the other thing with him is you get him back with that like fire in his belly again. You know, he's been on a bad team for a few years. It's hard to come to the rink every day as a veteran when you're just like, oh gosh, we're, we're coming here again to get schlacked. You know, when you bring him to Toronto, it's a bit of a rejuvenation. It gets a bit of that fire back in you. And I think it would be interesting. I think anywhere he goes, it's going to give him the fire again. Mm. Uh, not that it's always, not that it's gone completely out, but it is hard. You know, a guy that it's, he expects to win every night, it's got to be frustrating to go, you know, jump over the boards, understanding that you're probably going to lose each and every game. Yeah, of course, man. And uh, yeah, he's, he's 34 years old. And he's, again, he's playing pretty well this year. He's got 14 points in 24 games for what is a, a pretty uh, moribund Blackhawks team. Anyway, um, I like the fit. I like yeah, the I like, idea. They should, they should give me my skates back on. I could make that team right yeah, now. Yeah, I think you probably could, actually. You should give that a go. You're on the ice enough with the kids. Like, you should test yeah. yourself out. Like, go see. Give some, yeah, you they, you it, just it, said it, you we, don't know that management group. Go find out. Like, go do yeah. your homework and find out who they are by asking them for a tryout. Yeah, I should. Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. My hip would be in the, the third row. Uh, Chris Rustig, again, the Clever app. Make sure that you go check it out. Um, I'm going to tag it, of course, in uh, the post after this this interview. So if you are a coach, it, it is going to help you a lot. You you got more tournaments coming up with through Clever right now? Yeah, we got a couple uh, for my kids' academy. We got some tournaments coming. And again, yeah, the Clever, the app, it's, uh, you know, digital whiteboards, a lot of things in there that can help coaches save time. So it's a, it's a free tool. Go check it out. Okay, that's perfect. Uh, again, uh, two-time cup winner, Chris Versteeg. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you take care, JD. Yeah, you too. You take care better of your Spotify algorithm. Like, that's be better. My God, Marshmallow. That's not good. That's not good. I think I know who that is because he has a head of a marshmallow and is a DJ. Correct? You'd be right about that, JD. Thank you. Thank you, fellas. One time I saw him in Las Vegas. I was in Las Vegas and he yeah. walked through the casino and it was...
with, with the marshmallow cool. head with on? Yeah, with the Well, yeah, how else would he know? I'm just asking, like, did, like, does he, he wear it in his spare that. time? That's like being able to identify Daft Punk. You're like, that's actually, I should start doing no, that. No, you can, though, because they like, there's pictures of them without their... Yeah, no, but I'm just saying, match. imagine being at a bar and going, that's Daft Punk. Oh, true. You know, like, pointing them out, and they just don't have math. It's just two guys together, and you're like, that is, I swear. Just glass. At the bar, two French guys. That's actually a move. We're going to start doing that to people. I'm going to start doing that. Yo, look, I'm pretty sure those guys are Daft Punk. <laughs> if whenever you go to a nice restaurant, that's a move that you got to do, or a nice bar, you just yeah. got to pull that move. That's Daft Punk. Oh my God. No, you never seen them without their helmets on? Yeah, that's what they look like. Those two guys, exactly there. You wouldn't think they're that old, but they are. <laughs> you wouldn't think they're that old, <laughs> would, but they absolutely are. How did your guys' Spotify raps go? I listened to that Metro Boomin album a lot. It's okay. It's, I, I, I thought it was pretty good. Like, it wasn't groundbreaking, but it was like, eh, I put it yeah, on the fine. car. It's got a it. couple of hits. I listened to it twice over. I, I like Raindrops by Travis Scott. Yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's a good one. Did you listen to it? I'm an Apple Music guy. Oh, this is tough. So How is that day for you? So oh, you guys are both yeah. Apple Music guys? Yeah. Well, well, I just we went have... with it because it was already on my phone, so I just... Bafo, you're Spotify, right? No, I'm Apple Music too, actually. Oh. Wow. <laughs> so I'm the one. What's weird is I use Apple for podcasts and Spotify, Spotify for, for music. music. I use them both. And the weirder part is that with your Amazon Prime, you get Prime Music. I'm pretty sure I have Apple Music and have Spotify. I don't know. I'm just saying. What's going on here? Yeah, I think this is redundant. I was listening to a, uh, a podcast on you know, bettering your finances once and it was talking about subscriptions and how nobody actually knows how much they're paying. That if you poll everyone, they guess and usually they're off by half. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That nobody actually knows. I canceled one today. I'm not going to say what subscription, but I canceled one today. I felt good. I, was, I thought, yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. you're not trying to, and it's because they tried to go up in price. So everybody knows what I'm talking about. They tried to go up in price. And I was like, ah, what? Call me when Severance is back. Okay. And then uh, we'll watch the one show that you're good for. Yeah. Uh, I'm Netflix? not paying $9. No, no, no. <laughs> $9 for your traffic. I got a notification today, email yeah. notification saying, you're about to get renewed. And I said, yeah, and I, and said, I appreciate that. You're out of your mind. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got to do that if there's a price increase, though. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, gotta, if there's a price that. increase, you have to let people yeah, you know. Gotta, oh, you got to okay. tell the people. I thought that was just them being nice. No. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 bro, that's just theft. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's just Pete. Where he goes, everybody's just being nice. All their actions are motivated by kindness. Niceness. That's what they are. Not legality. Yeah, no. Uh, anyways, yeah, your lawyer father is very disappointed in you right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Let's do time for action. Sportsnet 590, the fan. It's time for action brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus. Must be in Ontario. Please play responsibly. Um, Austin, your Titans killed me this weekend. Like, truly devastated me in a... <laughs> What would have been a really good weekend turned into a very sour weekend because the Tennessee Titans got shellacked. What that was the word that Versteeg used there, right? Shellacked. Explain your team, man. Explain for this team. I've been calling them gutty. You've been backing them. You've been wearing your Titans hoodie around here all the time. I'm embarrassed for you. And then AJ Brown came after and put the nail in the coffin, saying that he wished that he wanted to be there, but they didn't want him. And I went. Yeah, and they tried to replace him with Traylon Burks, 
Whoops. Oh, well, let me just, if I can comment yeah. on Traylon Burks, number 22 <laughs> on the Eagles should be in jail yeah, for true. the assault he committed on Traylon yeah. Burks on the football oh, field. Sorry, that I forgot was hitting wrong. wasn't allowed in the NFL. Hitting with your, in the head, JD? Yeah. That's the whole point. This is what oh, we're yeah. supposed to take out of the it's game. Have game. some respect for your players. It's a fast game. AJ Brown, poor sportsmanship. Uh, <laughs> like, dude, winning with class. That was, that was gross. He's, they, you he's know why you're not there? Them. You know why you're not there anymore, AJ Brown? Because you asked for too much money. Oh, and that's not the way Vrabel does it. selfish? And you know what? You don't pay players that are as good as AJ. Oh, wait, you probably, you probably should. Yeah, yeah it was traumatic. I not, don't feel good. Not only that, not only that, Vrabel did once say AJ Brown would never be traded from the Eagle, or sorry, from the Titans as long as he was head coach. Direct quote, yeah. Yeah, direct quote. Makes and, me question what he'll do if they win the Super Bowl, though. Yeah, no, yeah, it's true. That is true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Anyways, I'm off. I'm off the Titans bandwagon. Me too. I've abandoned. Oh, you can't leave. Them. <laughs> you just abandoned. Wow, you just abandoned your team. Uh, <laughs> well, was... listen, I thought like maybe you know conference final sneaky underdog. No, no first round and out. No, they're done. Uh, Tannehill's probably going to throw three picks again. Well, it's... poor Tannies. Every time I start to believe in Tannehill, every time I go, you know what, Tannehill's not so bad. Different years, same yeah. movie. Yeah, his ankle, his ankle is just not. <laughs> it's not there, and they can't go to Malik Willis ever because he tricked them by faking giving a homeless guy money and so they went okay we'll draft Malik Willis and then they gave him the ball and then they went oh this guy can't play football at all it's that's that's a problem that's that's really not good and get better soon Traylon Burks too yeah no it's Traylon Burks yeah yeah get better all right fine uh okay so Monday Night Football uh we've got ourselves this this is the only way that I can sell this game is that we get Marshawn Lattimore versus Mike Evans maybe we see a fight Maybe we see a fight because this game on paper, Jobo, you're a Saints fan. Yep. You need this one. We really need this one. Yeah. This, we, is, this is like season on the line type thing. Yeah. And are you stepping in for Adam Troutman? Who are you stepping in for? <laughs> I, I should go in. Um, yeah, the, the guy that I was going to really bank on tonight is currently not playing. Still out injured, Jawan Johnson. So unfortunately, that's my guy, but he's not going to yeah. be there. That was the guy that I was kind of relying They're on for without the guy that got zero catches last week. That's going to be tough for them to replace the whole zero catches. Thing. I didn't say he was going to win the game for yeah. them. No, I said, how that's will a they guy ever that... replace <laughs> zero catches? They're back up. God, end. that's going to be really tough. Anyway. But yeah, no, if they lose this game, then they're down two games yeah. to a divisional rival in the stinks. division. It's yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a brutal draw. There's a way they can win. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Saints seasons did not go how people expected it to. Mm. The quarterback situation's been. Yeah. Why won't they just play Jameis? I, I I don't know. They just keep going to Dalton. They they said I had to give Jameis a chance, but then it's like ah, we're going with Andy instead. Winston's been healthy for a bit, but it's like now nah, we're not going to give him another shot. It, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. If Dalton was even just winning some games, I would go okay, fine. Yeah, it's or if, whatever. It's but they yeah they stand. they're not winning games. Like yeah. like we're, what, what Saints are four and eight right now, and they lose this game, then they're like they're I said down two yeah. games to a divisional rival. No, they Tampa need Bay. this one tonight. They need yeah. this one tonight. Oh, uh, Saints do historically give Brady a tough time. They do. In the regular season. But there's no Sean Payton. There's no Sean Payton right now. Yeah. The Saints are 4-1 against Brady in the regular season yeah. with Brady with Tampa Bay. Uh, that streak broke this year yeah. when, when they lost 20-10 to 10 in week two. Uh, but tonight, it's going to be a tough game, especially with how banged up. So this, the Saints are getting respect. I, I guess the respect is... Uh, because they're getting three points, right? That was the last time I checked it. It was yep. Bucks plus three points. Bucks minus three. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if this is still the case, but historically it's always been if you're home, you get three points. So they're saying this is a pick em between these two teams, which is pretty embarrassing for the Buccaneers, yeah. who 
Yeah, we started to buy back in on the Bucks because they scored a bunch of points on the Seahawks in Germany, and we went, they're back, Brady's back. <laughs> and then the following week, he couldn't, he had seven straight, I think it was, uh, no, was it seven straight three and outs or just seven straight punts against the Browns? Against the Browns. Yeah. I have I have no feel for the spread. Does anyone have a feel like actually picking the side of the line? I'm not touching the total. The total is just ugly. I, if anything, I would kind of trend towards the under, and it's low. Uh Anybody have a feel for the sideline? Are you picking your Saints? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with my Saints. Okay. I'm rocking with them. It's a game they need to win. Uh-huh. But yeah, three points is a little... I don't know. I feel, it almost feels like Buccaneers disrespect to give them only three points. Yeah. I, I would but lean towards the Bucks. You're leading Bucks. Just be, I feel like the calendar's changed to December. It's mm. Tom Brady locking in. I love that, Buffalo. I love that. Just the, the calendar. calendar has flipped to December. But, it's Tom Brady season. I'm. I, that's a good point. That's but, a point for you. But like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be that romantic about Brady in December if it just wasn't about this division. Like, is anybody mm. scaring you in this NFC South right now? No, they all suck. They're exactly. All, they're, so. they're all terrible. Yeah. No. Here's the thing about the NFC South. When I'm going through the games that I need to watch every week and go, all right, how am I going to divide up the, the screen time to make sure that, because I try to watch as much as I possibly can. My favorite thing to see is these NFC South games on not prime time. So I can just go and we're not watching any of this. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll check. This is, I can get everything I need from these games from Boomer. During halftime, those one sentence here's one highlight, whoop, and then I'm good. <laughs> I got it. I did watch actually a sneaky amount of uh, the Steelers Atlanta game, but that's because I bet on the Steelers and uh, I was feeling very very confident about them. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was I was riding high with the Steelers. That was it. Ended up being kind of sneaky close for them. I didn't really love that. It, like started out really hot and then they scored no points the rest of the way. Shook my my Kenny Pickett love just a touch. Anyway, um, I don't have a feel for the line. I'm going to play a prop tonight. I just like Chris Godwin. You know my theory. Go with studs. Godwin's targets. Got to pull this up. There we go. Over his last five games, 13, 8, 10, 11, 13. He catches the rock a ton. His receptions total, though, is six and a half, and there's juice on it. So I'm not playing that because he usually catches six or seven balls. So, yeah, could he go over that number? Yeah, sure. But to me, it's just that's not that's not a good price for what it actually is against the Saints. The other part of this is that Lattimore has actually been sneaky the winner of this matchup. Um, I, you would kind of assume that Mike Evans has had... Mo- no, not really. I saw something today. I don't know what this is worth, but that he just... in their, His shadow coverage of him over their meetings together, and this is a fantasy point, it's not a gambling thing, but that Mike Evans has never cracked 12 fantasy points. I saw that from uh, Mike Clay of ESPN. He was, he was touting that one. I went, hmm, interesting. And plus, Mike Evans has been bad lately. I feel like maybe they try to force him the ball a little bit early. They try to get him going. But I'm just not trusting the Mike Evans over 60 when he's been under that number for a bunch. He's been relied on less in the red zone. And Lattimore obviously takes this game personally and shadows him the entire game. So what I think is going to happen is that Chris Godwin's going to get a ton of targets. He's going to be Brady's go-to guy the way that he has been the last five weeks. If he continues to be on a pace of getting over 10 targets per game, like he has in the last five, I would imagine that he's going to hit the 70 mar- yard mark uh, and his total is 67 and a half. So yeah, I'm going Chris Godwin over 67 and a half yards. That's my bet for this evening. Pete, what do you got? You're hot, right? You hit something this weekend? I'm yeah. doing okay. I yeah. saw you I saw you hit a, like a Scotty Barnes double-double. Yeah, yeah Scotty Barnes double-double with the Raptors yeah. win. Yeah. yeah. 
That was nice. Yeah, it was really nice. That yeah. was nice. Yeah, and then you I bought it some like uh, a little bragger, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I bought some virtual currency on my NBA 2K basketball game. Okay. Yeah, that means nothing to you. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have brought that it up. It means something to me. It means something to me. It's just not it the way you want. I'm a huge loser. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you, you just talked to me about how you met a girl and you might have a thing going on with this girl and now you, you get some money in your pocket and I go, thanks, Right Pete. to 2K. And then he goes, and I bought some online currency and I went, <laughs> and goodbye to that girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why did you say it was yeah. online currency? <laughs> yeah. Well, virtual currency. That's virtual what's called. Currency, my, fault, right. my fault. I thought you um, bought more Bitcoin. I thought you were going, no, hey, no, I'm going, never, I'm doubling down no. on some crypto right now. It's low. I'm buying low. No. Buy the dip. I thought that was you. Buy the dip all no, of a sudden. No. Instead, no, you bought. I like how you're looking at me going, no, no, I would never spend money on something that has value. I spent money on virtual VC. currency. I just don't, under, I don't understand game. crypto and like, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh, Crystal Lave over four and a half receptions, mm. uh, minus 155. Not that great odds, mm. but uh, his target count has not dipped below I five. Since week one. Yeah, he's been one of the few positives for the Saints team. Um, you must be excited about him, I Joe. I love like, Chris yeah, like Olave. Really exciting player. Everybody's on Olave because Bafo's on Olave, too. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, what you, the yards? Or? I'm pivoting quickly, though. I want, I, I'm You're taking all the Olave? I'm taking the yards over 59 and a half. I just think uh, I was looking at Landry and Kamara, but uh. I just think that the strength of the Bucks is their linebacking core with David and Devin White. And uh, their secondary is banged up with, uh, it looks like Antoine Winfield's not going to play and uh, Mike Edwards is not going to play. So I could see them getting behind and maybe needing to take some shots. And, you know, Olave shown he can kind of get this total in one catch <sighs> some days. Mm-hmm. I, I like Olave. I think he's a very safe choice. He's, again, fits the JD model of go after someone that's going to get a lot of opportunities. So I'm good with that. He gets deep shots too. Yeah, he like does. He gets deep throws. Yeah, he gets deep throws. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm good with this one. I like that one. My only thing is I just, the only thing I was going to push back on is I don't know if anybody's going down big in this game. This just doesn't feel like one team's really chasing it for a big portion of the game. I just don't, I don't, this Bucks offense stinks. Go through their schedule and look at how many points they put up on teams. They They just don't score a lot. And so, yeah, like what did you even say when they beat the Saints last time? It was 20 to something? 20 to 10. Yeah. So these are their scores. 17 points, 21 points, 16 points, 22 points, 3, 18, <laughs> 21, 31 against the Chiefs. Nice. For a while there with the Broncos right yeah, at the bottom 12, of the league. 20, 19. Like, the, these ten, like these guys struggle to crack 20 points. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I, I'm just saying if you're trying to bet this game and you have like a premise of one team's going to be behind and then they'll have to make it up, I, I wouldn't be working off that premise based on the way the Bucks have scored this year, because mm. that, which is they haven't. They have not been. Tonight is not a touchdown prop night. Yeah. No, okay. No, Stay no. away from TD props. This is just, it's not your night. Unless you're going to take some weird long shot, actually. I'm like, let's not do that. And then I went, who would be good? <laughs> <laughs> who's the plus 500? Well, that's who's, gonna... the, who's the t- weird tight end? That's my brother and I always joke about is who's the weird tight end that's going to end up getting some. It who's... was Jawan Johnson the, the other I know, week, but, who's, but that's what I'm saying. Who's filling in for Jawan Johnson? Well, Adam Troutman's just going to get all of his targets. No, I know, but who's the backup that fills in for Jawan Johnson? This is what you're supposed to teach the people. This is the same thing. The backup that fills in for Jawan Johnson. Yeah, yeah. It's going to taste some hell. (laughs) They might throw him in the the slot. Taste some hell might be a good TD problem. Yeah, but except for taste some hell is probably not that great of a value. Uh, He's actually pretty decent. Plus 310 anytime. That's not a bad number. That's not a bad number. Not a bad number at all. By the way, Adam Troutman is plus 425. 
Mm-hmm. Not bad. Oh, Kate Otten. That's the name I was thinking of. Oh, uh, that's, right. that's Tampa Bay. I know, that's Tampa Bay. That's Tampa Bay. He's plus 550. Anyways, it's always like some weird white backup tight end who you bet the anytime touchdown prop on. That's yeah. always the... Well, I remember yeah. I was feeling really confident about the Kate Otten. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's and then I missed one. it. All right, quick break. Uh, that was Time for Action, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19+. plus. Must be in Ontario. Please play responsibly. Uh, when we come back, uh, Greg Jennings. Are the Bengals the best team in the NFL? Maybe. We did a little bit of the wheat from the chaff in the NFL this weekend. That was fun for Dolphins fans when they thought their team was good. That was cool. That was a cool little time. Fun little sexy time for you. Did I light up my boy RK's phone? Big Dolphins fan all Sunday? You bet your ass I did. Oh, boy. Tough one. Uh, best game of the weekend, though, we're starting with. And that's, man, Mahomes hits the MJ, right? I'm going, boy, they're going to, this is going to be memed into oblivion. This is the thing. He's MJ. Mahomes is MJ. NFL MJ. Crams one home. And then Travis Kelsey cost me like a million dollars with that fumble. That's, that's fine, Travis. You've won me a lot of money throughout your life. But still, that was a tough one. Chiefs lose the Bengals. Three straight wins for Cincinnati. All, by the way, in this calendar year because they won in January the first time. Um, Greg Jennings, Super Bowl champion, Pro Bowl wide receiver. Are we overreacting? Are the Bengals the best team in the NFL? <laughs> Come on, say it. Let's overreact. Let's do the damn thing. If they're better than the uh, Chiefs, and the Chiefs, they beat the Chiefs three trade times. Everybody's like, the Chiefs are the best team. So the team that beats the best team three times in a row, how is how are they not? How are they not the guys? I hear you. It's, it's an argument that can be had. Um, I picked the Bengals to win against mm-hmm. the Chiefs. Um, just because I think you should have given match- me that pick this uh, this Friday. Yeah, you should have texted me that. They, could, they just really match up really well. And when you think about what the Bills the Bills do uh, versus um, the the Bengals, mm-hmm. the Bills turn the ball over. The Bengals don't typically <laughs> turn the ball over, especially in the second half. Is when you can't can't make those crucial mistakes at the quarterback position or at any position. We saw it cost. You just mentioned it, Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cost you a lot of money but um, the Bengals are a really good team they are a team that has a quarterback that believes he is legitimately the best in the business mm-hmm. regardless of age regardless of experience um, that's, that takes them so far over the top for most teams for me um, as a receiver I want that guy in my huddle I want that guy leading our charge yeah, it's weird because the, the Bills actually jump up to the top of the AFC. They don't play this week. But everything broke their way exactly the way that they needed it to. But, yeah, I just I do feel confident in those are three really, really good teams. I still think it's, yeah, Chiefs-Bengals and then Bills at, like, a slight tier below that based on what you just said, the turnovers of late. But either way, like, we're getting an incredible matchup for who's going to come out of the AFC this year. Like, that's a basic guarantee. The the Bengals, though, man, they, they've just been really impressive these last couple of weeks because there's been no Jamar Chase, and they lose Joe Mixon, and they don't miss a beat. Their offensive line is gelling. But the thing that I like the most is... So there was a there was a period of time this year when the Bengals were really struggling and Joe Burrow wasn't getting the ball out and he was kind of doing his thing and I went, man, maybe we overrated this guy a little bit and the confidence doesn't the confidence of a guy like that when a team is struggling always rubs people the wrong way, but now that they're rolling, it just feels perfect 
And I wonder how much you think that that team is just feeding off of just the way he comports himself and the way that he's playing right now. It's been since day one. This is yeah. The moment they drafted him and his posture and his um, his presence, just of, of how he carried himself, things that he said to ensure that his future teammates, now his teammates, um, to give them that confidence of, like, I, I'm your guy. Like, all the, I don't want to go to Cincy, you shouldn't go to Cincy, all that. He, he completely obliterated that. Like, no, put me in that situation and I'll make it right. Like, and so he's never wavered from that, that uh, posture, that demeanor, that approach. Um, even when he threw <laughs> Pittsburgh week one, he threw what three, four interceptions. Yeah, it was bad. bad and, it, and it was almost, and he literally had a look on his face. Like he hadn't thrown one. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you can be annoyed at it, but you want that guy on your team. You want that guy under center because of his unwavering confidence. Like, that to me is never been in question when you think about what those, how those guys talk about Joe Burrow, how that coaching staff views him. They have the utmost confidence in him. Well, yeah, because they, they let him decide the game too, right? And he makes another huge throw to T. Higgins, who's the same guy that he makes a big throw to in the AFC Championship game a year ago. Um, okay, so, J.D., really yeah. quick. Okay, so on that throw, yeah. am I not the only one that felt like did is did a whistle blow? Like he stood in that pocket, yeah. like he didn't even care that he was about to take this hit. He was under duress. Like his lineman is getting his line is getting collapsed, and he makes that throw. And I'm looking like did something happen? It just almost looked slow motion. Maybe it was just me and what I was looking at, <laughs> but that throw was impressive. So yeah, I was gonna say the the throw was great, but. Higgins has now been a bit of the breakout guy over the last couple of weeks with no Jamar Chase, and he's the guy that, yeah, he's thrown to both of the times in those massive spots. And and I want to know what you think about him specifically because he feels like one of those guys that we can't properly rate. T. Higgins has been and continues to be a number one guy. Like, before Jamar Chase was the, arrived on the scene, T. Higgins, he didn't have the splash that Jamar Chase had, but he had a heck of a rookie run. And it just was overshadowed because of, because of what Jamar Chase yep. came in and did. Like, period. Like, T. Higgins was, he was like, oh, wow, this kid is really good. Mm-hmm. And Jamar Chase came in, and it was like, we forgot about how good T. Higgins was the year before. Um, so he's always had the level of confidence. You sit all three of those guys down, and they just believe in one another, and they're they're unselfish, but they're yet selfish enough to where they want to be the one to make the play. And you got to have that type of mentality. Yeah. I just I keep thinking about how this is such a matchup league, and like you just said it, right, that the Bengals match up well with this this Chiefs team, and they also don't turn the ball over. But that just, that seems to be a problem that isn't going away is T Higgins is a monster and they just don't have the defensive backs. They don't, maybe they will be like Tony Romo was talking about during the broadcast where he's saying, Hey, this defensive backfield is going to be really good someday. Cause they're young in Kansas city, blah, blah, blah. I just, I don't feel like they're going to be able to make those stops 
in big moments against that Bengals team if they match up with them. I'm not going to write off the Chiefs. Like, obviously, that's stupid to think that they can't get a win. But, yeah, that's just a nightmare for them watching those wide receivers and the way that T. Higgins can just go up, elevate, grab it, and that they feel confident in him in a big spot. That's the team right now. I don't know how anybody could go otherwise, even if you're the most diehard Bills fan, that, yeah, presents the biggest issue to the Chiefs making it to a Super Bowl this year. Do you think that's, like, even a caliber team that the Chiefs are? This will be my last one on this, and then we'll move on. Um, to my my favorite topic of the day, which is the fraudulent Dolphins. But um, do you think that even a, a Super Bowl caliber team, Andy Reid level team with Patrick Mahomes, that that could even get in their head, that it's three straight, that it's against this team, that it's happened in kind of similar ways, or they're just kind of like, now, nah, whatever, on to the next? <laughs> they're going to be on to the next, but you better believe they know that team kind of has their number and they're trying to figure it out. Not only the players, but like you see, you mentioned Andy Reid, the staff. We got to figure this out because for some reason, we put ourselves in a situation where they feel confident enough to be down or to be up and to close out a game, and we haven't been able to do that against this team. Everybody has that team that they don't want to play. Period. Every team has a team that just matches up better with them that other teams would question, like, how would they lose to that team? They just match up really well, period. And that's the Bengals for the Chiefs. They play really solid defense. Offensively, you got a guy that can throw it around just like the guy across from them. And they have arguably – they not even arguably – they have more weapons than the guy across from them. They don't have the tight end. But they have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Boyd. They have all these weapons. P. Ryan, again, Joe Mixon wasn't even involved. So, I mean, this is a team that just really matches up. Correct. Mm -hmm. So I love love what the Bengals present, always have. Uh, I didn't didn't doubt them at all, even when they were down early in the season. Um, And they are coming on strong at the right time. I uh, may or may not have a Bengals to win the Super Bowl futures bet that I am feeling yeah. very good about as of today. And I also may have given out that piece of advice to a lot of people. I also have a Ravens Super Bowl bet, though, so I feel less good about that after uh, they eked one out. Although, my God, Huntley, man, I'm telling you, there's something there. I like I like Huntley. Um, so the Dolphins, if we're talking about matchup league, this was an interesting matchup to watch because it was two head coaches that really knew each other. And it was a elite defense that's given up zero points in their last four games in the second half versus an offense that likes to get the ball out quick and use the middle of the field. And that's what the Niners take away so well with those awesome two linebackers. Um, they kicked the crap out of them. It was really not close. But a big part of it, dude, was just Tua looking inaccurate. And then I started to look back at the schedule and the best wins for the Dolphins is like, the Ravens. They beat the Bills, but that game was a fraudulent win. I'm sorry. I, I can't give them any credit for that. They got outgained by like double the yardage and it was the heat and all the Bills players like falling over at the end of the game. That one wasn't fair. And then I looked at it and went, are the Lions their best win? Is it beating the Lions? I don't know. How do we feel about the Dolphins after this week? Because uh, I'm kind of overreacting to it a little bit. I'll admit it, but I, I feel strongly about this after that game. Yeah, I still I still like the Dolphins, uh, and, and and I don't I try not to overreact when a player has a bad game. Tua played his worst game of the season. Period. Like he he played his worst game of the season against arguably what we would we we could argue in mm-hmm. <laughs> the best team that they were going to play up until this point right now. As far as how that that defense is playing at this point in the season, that's the best defense that that offense was going to face, and so you can't play the way he played. 
They had opportunity after opportunity. He had throw after throw, throws that, you know, you just question, like, what, what's going on? Are, are you nervous? Are you scared? Like, what's going on, man? You got to answer some of these questions because you're not answering with your, your performance now. Um, and so for me, I, I give a player that, that game. It, especially in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Now, if this is the playoffs, we you can't do that, and that's what that's where my head goes. If he faces a team like that in the postseason, is that the tour that we're going to see? And that's what everybody's going to start to now be able to hold over them because of the lack of performance and because of the magnitude of that game for both teams. Yeah, for me, it was just another reminder of how incredible Tyree kill is and yeah Dolphins 0 of 7 on third down in that game it was just that, that was a that was a tough one for them especially when you know Brock Purdy comes in that game and they're trailing and going okay Dolphins just settle in and figure this out and find a way to to beat the third string yeah. quarterback and they don't just lose they they end up getting blown out so do you think the Niners are still contenders even with Brock Purdy he looked actually pretty decent yeah so I, I think that they they definitely still have a chance um it's going to be hard. I got to see more out of Purdy because when you come in in a situation where you're filling in versus the game plan is created for you and you have to start, it's a different monster because now expectations are different. Mm-hmm. Like I, I understand he was playing against the Dolphins, but to come in and show that you were prepared, your backup, it, it's almost like you don't have as much pressure and weight because no one expected no one would have said anything if the 49ers lost mm-hmm. because of that, because Jimmy Garoppolo went down and because they have a seventh round of rookie coming in against that team. Mm-hmm. No one would have said anything now because we saw him play decent against that team. And now he's going to start expectations immediately change shift. That's a different type of pressure can he keep this team afloat to where they can still be considered a contender? That's going to be the thing that we were all going to wait to see. I'm not sure he's ready for that, but if he's in any, if any, if he's in any situation schematically that can support him, Mm. he's in the best one because he has a run game. He has a coach that's going to get the ball out of his hands to his playmakers hands quickly and often. I am a little worried about their run game. If I was a Niners fan, just them losing Elijah Mitchell, trading away Wilson, which looks really stupid now in hindsight. Um, and McCaffrey just, he looks a little beat up already. And now they're going to have to ask him to carry a bigger workload. And it's not someone who's historically has been able to stay healthy. I, that That's the next domino for the Niners. If, if they're going to be a contender, I think that you're right. They're going to need that running game. And they've proven they can just like pick up just about anybody off the street and they become fantasy relevant. But, yeah, um, McCaffrey staying healthy and being somewhat like uh, Panthers, Christian McCaffrey is going to be big for them. So the Eagles absolutely stomped the Titans. Um, Bad. And a game that I thought was going to be close early, and everybody said, oh, this is actually a tough matchup for the Eagles because they have a tougher time defending the run without Jordan Davis and blah, 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 blah. And it's an ass-kicking, 35-10. to And the biggest part of it, though, is A.J. Brown just goes off against his old team. It's like, I think it was 10 receptions or 10 targets and 120 yards, two touchdowns. He was talking about it after the game. Um, How much stock do you put into it when a guy shows up and kills his former team and, like, his team plays around him? Like, how do you interpret that as a sign about the team heading in the right direction? Man, I absolutely love it. That's why you. That's why you got him. Yeah. You. You. That. That's the guy that you. For me, I've never understood 
like when a guy goes to a team and you get the chance to play the team that allowed you to acquire the guy that you wanted, mm-hmm. why don't you why you don't feature him? Make them feel like you just gave us the best thing that ever happened to you and now us. Like you know that player wants to be so successful and, and a lot of receivers go through this. The 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 last one that I felt like had ever been able to get some get back was Steve Smith Senior mm-hmm. when he went to Baltimore and he played his old team. The Panthers, like it was it was like, wow, you want that for a guy. I wanted it for myself when I went to Minnesota and had to play the Packers. A.J. Brown had that moment. They featured him, and a large part of that is because of relationship. And they didn't go out of a relationship with his quarterback. They didn't go out of pocket of who they are and what they do. That's who they've been all year. They just made sure, A.J., we're going to get you off a little bit today. Yeah, I, I keep thinking, oh, well, it was off of those last couple of weeks where the Eagles sort of look a little bit more pedestrian. They had that game against Houston in particular where they kind of let them hang around, hang around, hang around. Um, but now I'm, I'm just putting a little bit more respect on the Eagles. They just, when they're firing on all cylinders, they look just completely unstoppable. And when they get down in that red zone area and they've got all those different weapons, you, you just feel like you should just already hang the seven on the board. So, yeah, um... I'm I'm back. I'm back in on the Eagles. I'm back out on the Titans. I'm reactionary. That's the way that this is going. Um, is there a better what if right now than what if the New York Jets didn't draft Zach Wilson and instead t- did the right thing and took Justin Fields? Oh, oh my gosh. Could you imagine that? Yeah, I think about it a lot. And by the way, <laughs> you can go back. I have tapes. I have it on record a million different times. I couldn't understand why the guy with the awesome collegiate track record that I watched gutted out in college football playoffs, who had the pedigree all the way back to high school of just being a dominant player, who was an athletic freak, um, was all of a sudden we saw Zach Wilson do the one combine thing we see everywhere. It's like, ooh, he threw a ball. He threw it deep out. Ooh, well, he's got to go ahead of fields. I have the tapes. I always said that was a bad pick. I never understood the Disney prince over Justin Fields. And now if I'm a Jets fan, I'm thinking about that every Sunday. You gotta be. You gotta be. And I, I'm not gonna give up on Zach. I am. Um, I I've think that they up. should. He's out of the NFL. But I'm not gonna. <laughs> don't give me. Hear me out. Yeah. I think that the Jets should. Yeah. I'm not gonna give up on them because I, I, as a player, some situations just don't work out. And I don't think that this is a situation that's gonna work out for Zach Wilson. However, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean his career is over. Doesn't mean that he can't find a home somewhere else. I just don't think it's gonna be in New York. Um, but. <laughs> The Justin Fields thing has to sting, man. And, and knowing, like, even though Justin Fields, obviously he has some areas of improvement, he has sure. to become a better pocket-passing threat. But what he does well, when you lean into who he is, he is just – him in green right now with that defense, with mm-hmm. those weapons, that's that's almost like Ohio State all over again. Mm-hmm. Man, I just I couldn't help but think about it over and over and over again this week because the the story of the game was they they couldn't get touchdowns. They got in the red zone a million different times, the Jets, and they kicked a million different field goals. They outgained yeah. the Vikings three hundred and sixty six to one hundred and fifty nine. Um, I, I like they were the clearly the better team. Minnesota got they another one of their on both sides of the football. What, they did. What did you call Minnesota a couple of weeks ago? Where you, like I can't remember the term you used in terms of yeah the the way that they're winning these games. 
Oh, Jobo remembers it? What glitchy. Was? Glitchy, yeah, that's it. They get glitchy yeah. wins. And that there's one marker, right? There's one marker that just about every analytics team uses across sports, which is, hey, if you're always winning these one-score games in weird ways, yeah, regression is eventually going to come for you. I'm sorry. I know Vikings fans just think I'm hating right now, but it's just true. It was just such a fortunate win for them. Good for them for getting that final play, and they end up getting the pick. But, man, oh, man, oh, man, if that quarterback, Mike White, could just throw one touchdown pass, they end up winning that game. I, I just really like that Jets team, dude. I, I feel like if they can figure out their quarterback situation next year, they're, they're going to leap right up in, potentially into contender status. No doubt about it. I, I don't think anyone would argue that. Um, and and even, even if Mike White, if looking at him, obviously he threw the interception, can't completely blame that on him early. And I was like, oh, shoot, are we going back to what happened last year? It didn't happen. He has this this resolve and this poise about him now to where it's like, I'm your, I'm your guy. Don't overlook me. (laughs) And I I think right now in this moment, he is taking every bit of this opportunity and maximizing it. And and I'm, I'm so happy for him because he looks really good. He looks really, he, the throw he made, on fourth and goal to win that could have given them the lead. Now, obviously they get the ball back, um, but that could have won the game or given them the lead. Like that's a great throw. You got to make that catch for your quarterback. Like the thing for him to do those types of things in that type of situation with so much on the line in these moments of, in this moment of the season, I really like where he's at mentally and physically. 437 yards. 31 first downs, no punts. Do we have to talk yeah, about the, the Lions? Best. No, I'm saying this is we're pivoting. This is the Lions. Like, do do they have our respect? Because I, I after this weekend, I, I kind of want to see them get in the playoffs. Not at the expense of the Seahawks, but I, I want to see what they can do. I'm, I'm kind of buying a little bit of stock right now. They, they've been putting up points routinely, and this is a league where you need to score. Like I, I know, I know Dan Campbell when he first took the job, he talked about biting kneecaps and everything. Yeah. But this team, they just have bite, man. Yeah, they have they have a grit to them that's like you kind of just like you just said. You kind of hope that they get in just to see what happens. And I'm not saying, and I don't believe you're saying it either. I don't I don't know if they'll make a lot of noise, but they will make a team that they have to go up against uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They definitely will. And because they can put up points. Now defensively, I don't know what you're gonna get. But offensively, you're gonna have you're gonna have your work cut out because they got a lot of weapons. They can throw the ball, they can run the ball, uh, and they can score when they get the ball in the red zone. They, I love the way they call plays. Uh they they put their guys in really successful situations. This is a team that you mm-hmm. I honestly I would love to see the Lions get in. Yeah. I would absolutely love to see them get in. Yeah, there's there's a lot of teams that are in that five and seven, five and six. Like this is where I just wish they were in the NFC South this year because they'd be so much more fun than any of the Buccaneers, Falcons, Panthers, Saints, whatever. But yeah, they just they feel like the missed opportunity team or the team that's turning it on later. I like them more than the other two seven and five teams that are in the NFC East, the Giants and the Commanders, who we watch go to the tie. There's just there there does seem to be yeah that little bit of attitude that's building with that Lions team, and yeah, I just I enjoy watching them play. I, I, I love flicking that game on yesterday and even though it was a route, watching their offensive drives. I also think that Amon St. Brown is this is I guess isn't a very controversial one, but like he is the 
this sucks that you're on the Lions thing, right? No one's really paying attention to you, but he's damn good. Like really, really, really good. And I think one of the more overlooked guys in the league. Um, last one for me uh, before we go. Yeah, I do need to ask you about the Ravens because Lamar gets hurt. Um, are we just writing them off as title contenders though? Because it just, it feels more than that injury yesterday. It's 10 points against the Broncos. They barely eke one out. They have the record, but do you feel like they're still in the contender tier? No, yeah. I don't. I don't. They they just lost. I mean, we don't know what what's going on with Lamar as of yet, but um, it, it, without Lamar, you just that team looks different. I love. They couldn't have a better backup in Tyler yeah. Huntley as far as to fill fill the void. He, I mean, he resembles everything that you got in front of him in Lamar Jackson. Um, but he just he's not Lamar, you know, and that offense looks a little different. However, I don't I, I'm I'm off I'm off that bandwagon. This yeah. happened last year. They ended up missing out missing the playoffs. Lamar went down. They lost the last what five five uh five games and they were out. I, I just I don't believe I can't believe in them without Lamar. Yeah. Uh Greg Jennings, Super Bowl and Pro Bowl wide receiver. Um always love getting a chat, man. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Appreciate that, man. Um, yeah. I didn't talk to him about the other quarterback from the day because I was waiting for Pete. Um, your guy, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Pete's guy. That's his guy. Yeah. I watched a good chunk. I was I was paying attention. I wanted to see it. Um, the Browns got points every way other than the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. You would look at the score and go, wow, Deshaun, no rust. Uh, no, wrong. He basically put up three points in that game. They got a kick return that was gorgeous from Peoples-Jones. Mm-hmm. They got mm-hmm. two defensive touchdowns in that game? Uh, two and then yeah, yeah Peoples-Jones, yeah. Yeah, and then Peoples-Jones with a return. But yeah, Watson, no quarterback has played uh, worse against the Houston Texans this year than one Deshaun Watson. Underthrew a lot of passes. Just looked pretty rusty. Didn't look very confident in the pocket. What was your first impression? Well, I wasn't guy? really expecting much. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't played in over a year, right? Yeah. yeah. And so obviously there's going to be some rust. Yep. Uh, this season is unfortunately a write-off for the Browns. Um, but like I said last week, the rest of the season is just seeing how he fits, and then we'll be able to figure out. Yeah. Was this an even bigger mistake than we might have thought initially? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's yeah. You're reminded of how bad it is from an optic standpoint when he's playing his former team and some of his uh, the women who had their allegations against him or in the stands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also reminded of it when they did such a weird thing. The Browns. The Browns just fumbled it again. Like they're just the Browns. Yeah. They don't know how to do anything <laughs> right, but. They, they tell the Texans media that they can't ask him any questions, that they only take questions in the post game from the national media and from the Browns media. And Jenny Ventress asks a question and he obviously just goes, pulls the, you know, on to, I'm just grateful to be playing or whatever the hell his answer was. Um, but yeah, watching him play that way, there were some flashes where you'd see him kind of moving around in the pocket and go, okay, but yeah, I think that he's going to need a lot of, yeah, this season is going to basically be a fire drill for him getting his timing back and feeling what like a an NFL pass rush feels like, mm-hmm. timing, all that different stuff. But yeah, that was a... Uh, you would have liked to see, you know, 
a play or two where he looks good. And I never saw <laughs> Or maybe like an offensive yeah, point. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, that would have been nice. A point would have been good from yeah. him. But either way, yeah, that was a bit of a tough debut for uh, Deshaun Watson. We'll see that moving forward. But yeah, as of day one, he certainly didn't uh, just show up and go, wow, he's Deshaun Watson, what a reminder. He looked very much like a guy who hadn't played in two years. Um, mm-hmm. Quick break, come back, run down what we missed. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. On the weekend. All right, fellas, what we miss? Well, JD, starting off with some sad news. Ontario has banned betting on the UFC. It's actually really sad. Uh, the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario mm-hmm. is uh, has halted betting on UFC uh, due to security concerns. And uh, there's this uh, betting insiders and suspicious betting patterns. That's yeah. kind of like how they're describing it. Yeah. And uh, it all kind of trickles down to this guy named James Krause, yeah. uh, who uh, has discussed in the past how he actively bets on UFC fights as well as dispenses gambling advice. And he's one; of, he's a coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's caused some, uh, some eyebrows to be raised. See, him dispensing gambling advice as a coach was already a little strange to me. Mm-hmm. I used to watch some of his videos because I got followed Krause and... He's a very respected coach, very respected MMA fighter. I came to actually know him more about him during uh, his run on The Ultimate Fighter. But, yeah, he went on Ariel's show. He went on the MMA hour, and he was pretty braggadocious about a Discord uh, group chat that he had where it was hundreds of members, and he would dispense a ton of information. And obviously this is a guy. And, again, he was bragging about making more money from this than he does as a coach. And granted, it's tough sledding to make a living as a coach in the UFC. And this is always like part of finding out what is good and what is on the upside of sports betting. But yeah, once you start to see like really suspicious betting habits um, occur and it gets linked back to you and your team, you should be able to, you should suffer the consequences. And he has suffered them gravely. Uh, He can never coach in the UFC again and he never will. That's my guess. Mm -hmm. He's been banned and anybody who decides to continue to train under him will be banned. Mm -hmm. They're taking a very, very strict policy in terms of moving forward with this. So that does set uh that sets a pretty strong precedent for any coaches that were considering doing this moving forward, right? Like what are you going to do? You're going to have the one-time payday and then you're out of the league forever. That's the way that this is going to be going. Um in terms of not being able to be legal in Ontario and Alberta too, right? Alberta yeah. the the hammer down. Yeah. I think that this is actually a more a statement of the way Ontario views mixed martial arts in general is that it's always been Ontario. They've looked down their nose at MMA from the jump. It was harder to get it here and they're always going to have stricter rules around it. I'm not surprised that this is kind of the case. Are you telling me anyway, this is bad. All right. I don't want to downplay this. What James Krause did was bad, but do Mm. I feel like in some way you shouldn't be able to bet on the UFC? You can bet on WWE. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's <laughs> the most scripted. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there's you can bet on so many things. Are they really holding the same standard for observing you betting on Australian, you know, women's soccer at 3 a.m. as you are for the UFC? I don't know. It just this this does have a little bit of vendetta attached to it to me. Do you remember that fight, the UFC fight? I think it was like UFC 280 with the American guy with the bad shoulder. Yeah, it was, were you talking about TJ Dillashaw? Yeah, we talked about it. How it was BS. 
And I said that the UFC needs to get better at some of their betting practices. Mm -hmm. They can't have coaches know, hey, this guy has a completely destroyed shoulder or that there's no injury report kind of thing for something that's that devastating. It's tough with fighting with that kind of stuff, right? They're finding their legs. It's pretty clear that if you have a coach who's betting against his fighter, that that is a clear line of demarcation. Mm-hmm. That you even have a guy betting on his fighter you shouldn't be able to have. Like, guys who are affiliates, and they've kind of outlined they've outlined this now. If you're a part of a camp, you're not supposed to be betting on a team. If you're a quote-unquote insider with the fight world, you're not supposed to bet on these fights. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be perfect? No. Is it going to get better? Probably. Are you always going to have things, shady things that happen? Yes. Okay, so... A year ago, we had Calvin Ridley bet against or right. bet for his own team in the NFL. Did they stop NFL betting in Ontario? Good well, yeah. nope. I'm just saying that this, to me, reeks of Ontario's continued misunderstanding and poor relationship with the UFC. Yeah. More than it does a real threat of whatever, insider trading when it comes to information about UFC fighters. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm bothered by it. I think this really hurts the sport. I'm furious with James Krause. I, yeah. I cannot believe that what he did was so brazen and, yeah, so risky for so many different people involved. And that, yeah, he was just so outspoken and confident. And anyway, to, to not know what he was doing is wrong is BS. He had to have known on some level what he was doing wasn't right. He won thousand billion zillion percent deserves the banishment yeah but yeah i'm a little sour that as a mixed martial arts fan as a fan of the ufc that ontario has basically tried to equate this to pro wrestling that this is in some way you cannot bet on it that they're protecting the people give me a break this is a this is a black eye for mma this is a black eye for the ufc how they get back i'm not quite sure what exactly the path here is going to be Mm-hmm. but it's a little scary, man, because people want to watch sports when they have action on it. You get casual fans in by making a bet with people. Not everyone's signing up to watch Wonder Boy Thompson versus Kevin Holland last, you know, on Saturday night yeah. when they can't put a wager down on it, mm-hmm. especially since Wonder Boy was an underdog, and I liked him as an underdog, and I'm pretty pissed off that I couldn't <laughs> bet that. Anyways, <laughs> what's next? Um, I, I just want to add some more context just as yeah. to that is the re- like the reason this whole investigation started because there was um, one of Krause's fighters yeah, yeah. pre-existing injury to his leg ended up losing the fight because of you know the betting odds change and all yeah. that yeah just to add a little more just in case people didn't know but um, Canada soccer now that like the World Cup is still going on yeah, but Ismail news. Kone yeah it's going to Watford yeah Watford in the English Championship you tell in me what does that mean. So the Watford's a club in... No, no, no. I mean, like, how good is this for Kone? Oh, it's incredible for Kone because now he's playing up against good competition in the English Championship, which is a better league than the MLS. Uh, mm-hmm. More talent, more young guys. And Watford's usually a team that flits between, you know, the Championship and the Premier League. So you could have another guy playing in the Premier League against top-tier mm-hmm. talent. And whereas, you know, Watford's not going to be a world beater. They're not going to be beating Manchester City. No, but he'll City, play world-class talent on the He regular. plays against them, and he gets mm-hmm. the experience. And then in four years, for a guy who's only 20 right now, yep. that's huge. Yep. Huge. And he's going to get good minutes there as well. What's going to happen with Kamal Miller? I wouldn't be surprised... To see him follow and go to somewhere in the UK would not be surprising either because he's only 25. Yeah. Also a Montreal prospect yeah. or Montreal player right now. Alistair Johnson obviously with Celtic now. Yeah. Kone, Watford. 
you have to think Kamal Miller is going to be next it's in big line. Big for TFC, who got you know completely their asses kicked by <laughs> Montreal this year, and then Montreal was talking about now their best players are how going you to can't Europe. teach heart and blah 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 with TFC, and yeah, it was a disheartening loss for TFC this year to Montreal. So. It's nice that all their best players are getting poached. I'm a big fan of yeah, this. It is. Big fan of this element. It's, of it. it's big for Canada, though. Like Canadian players mm-hmm. are being put on the map. This World Cup, mm-hmm. like we talked about, and Sid mentioned it as well. Like, yep, people are playing for their careers. It's yeah. not just they're going to play for Canada. It's like they're playing to make a name for themselves, and it's being proven. Which is and they're huge. going to big clubs, Champions League clubs. I'm not saying Watford's a Champions League club, but Celtic was there this year. Yeah, that's where Alistair Johnson's going. He's likely going to be their starting yeah, right nice. back. That is nice. I like this, man. I liked seeing Kone go there. And I was I, I was genuinely surprised by, you know, I don't follow this as closely as a guy like you. And mm-hmm. I know Watford is a lower top end club. That yeah. makes sense. The, yeah. As in their, their premier and Bottom of the Premier League, yeah. higher end of the That's championship. That's what I mean. But they are in the premiership right now? Uh, they're in the championship right now. Okay, they're in the championship. Yeah, right. they just got relegated. But they're, okay. they're a team that's likely just going to get promoted right back within okay. a year or two. Okay, so then he'll end up there soon. Yep. All right, what's next? Uh, the Toronto Raptors and mm. Fred Van Vliet had a quote after the Brooklyn game, and he said, I think we got to learn how to be a team. We have to learn how to play together a little bit more. Yep. Be professional, be a little more ready to go. You can find excuses in this league every night. There are a million of them. Or you can show up and play the game. It's the way it's supposed to be played. Mm. And that quote is from an article with Michael Grange. Um, the Raptors struggles right now. Like It kind of seems like the Orlando game was good. They kind of the seem Orlando to rebound. doesn't really count for me. But it's just they, exactly. They, I've been high on this Raptors team when they've been healthy, and they haven't been for long stretches. So everything's been kind of gravy until they got Siakam back and Scotty back, and they were actually able to field their starting lineup. Mm-hmm. And now they're even getting depth pieces back, right? Like Banton. Yeah. Uh, the Orlando game, I'll admit, didn't watch a ton of. Um, kind of skimmed through it. Normally I watch Raptors games in their entirety. That one, I didn't watch the entire game. That was a record and then skipped through and all right, I got the gist of it. Um, I don't put too much into that victory against Orlando. You got to beat the teams that are in front of you. Good for them for winning. Absolutely. But if they are the team that some of us are hoping that they are, Mm -hmm. which is right below that contender tier, you got to play better against the Brooklyn's of the world and the New Orleans Pelicans of the world. Yeah. Because they got eviscerated by <laughs> Zion and they're one of the supposed better defensive teams. That's what they're built on, right? Six yep. foot nine, multiple guys you can switch. OG Ananobi, defensive player of the year, buzz. Mm-hmm. And you gave up 81 points in two of the first two quarters of these games. And they've talked, I think that the mantra coming out of the win on Saturday was Fred and Siakam said they want to punch first. Mm-hmm. They want to punch first. Well, the Celtics are as good a test as you can possibly get. No one's yeah. going to be killing the Raps if they lose this game. But I will say that it's it's going to be a bit of an alarm if they come out and get smoked again. If it's a non-competitive game for the third straight time against a contender with them being healthy, that that's a something. I don't know what, but that's a something. So, yeah, yeah big game tonight. Yeah, I think I thought the game the, the game against the Magic I think was really important for Scotty too. Sure. To to kind of get his feet back, get a little bit of confidence back. It seems like the last couple of games before that, it he's th- been the, frankly bad. Yeah, and, he has, and, and it's he, no one's going to criticize him because he's a second year player and yeah. blah blah blah. But no, Scotty Barnes has not been very good this season. Yeah. It's been a very very tough sophomore slump year for him. If you look across the board, it's like, oh yeah, it's not that much of a dip. No, it's it's not very good. Field goal percentage, scoring, all of it has been down. He's had uh, 
yeah, he's turning the ball over way more than he used to. It just, yeah, he, defenses have adjusted for him. He hasn't been fully healthy, he, but he's looked like a guy who's been pressing a lot this year. He's been a guy that has looked really frustrated at times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sure. It's good that he's played that way against a, a bad team. Yeah. You're always happy when the younger guy plays well. But In yeah. terms of confidence, I thought it was important for him to get sure. a game like that. I want to see how boards, that translates, though, into steals. a meaningful game. Because yeah. a Saturday night, like sort of a, a sleepy game against the Orlando Magic, is that's yeah. not exactly it. What's next? Uh, JD woke up Saturday morning to a video of Drew Brees being struck Pete, by lightning. I want to strike you with lightning <laughs> for making me think that this was real. I was, I an was idiot. I was so surprised when uh, you responded how you responded. I, I was like, JD fell for it. Oh I goodness. fell for it. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. Anyways, it's okay. Okay, when as soon as I sent it, I will admit this. So I fell for it. Hand mm-hmm. up. I fell. I fell for it. Yeah, but I did have my suspicions. Yes, but my initial thought was. Why would, cause I, the, even just the way it's shot, it's like, oh my God, something happened. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. why are they there? And, but it was just the way the reporter was writing about it. Mm-hmm. No clarification as to why they were testing in these conditions. And I went, that's what threw me off. Right. Right. What threw me off was the way that the reporter was basically all caps that you sent me. And here's the <laughs> follow-up. We have no idea what's going on. And what is, and I went, oh my God, Drew Brees. Yeah. Might be dead. <laughs> All for, I'm not even saying the name of the company that did it because that's free advertising for yeah, them. This is exactly right, yeah. what they want. But I got to tell you. Yeah. It was Who's great against ad. it? Who's against it? Is anyone in this well, room a huge nerd that thinks that that was bad? Well, I'll say I stand with the Lightning Strike and Electric Shock Survivors International Charity Organization. Oh, come on. Uh, they what? released a statement. Yeah, right. uh, the recent Drew Brees Lightning commercial is okay. an inappropriate, disgusting oh method Pete, of promoting gambling. you would find that. Gambling. That would be Pete. That would be Pete's <laughs> thing. He's like, who's offended? Is anybody here offended by that? Oh, I'm on your side. I'm on your team. Pete's offensive news is Wait, definitely going to be a There's a group of people that have been struck by lightning. And that get offended by it. They're and like, they, they said uh, the Drew Brees commercial has set us back 20 years. So do they hear? Do they hear? <laughs> they said that actually. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah, no oh my way. god, that's yeah. so hilarious. No so way. when they hear the song Thunderstruck, they're like, "This song no. is offensive <laughs> to us. We ban ACDC. Yeah. Electricity is no joke. Yeah, yeah. These they guys, must not be fans of the Tampa. That's got to be the biggest nerd club that's ever existed. They're sitting around in the chairs going, "We got struck by." Lightning. Well, they might be remember. doing good work. Who knows? They yeah, they might be. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Wait, yeah. So it's just a group just of people wait. that have been hit by lightning yeah. and they're just okay. mad about things. Well, yeah, they're trying yeah. to they're trying to help those people. Yeah, but I okay, think they were sure. just whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Anyway, uh, they set us back twenty years. Is genuinely the funniest thing that anybody's ever said on planet Earth. That's funnier than any Chappelle skit. That's funnier than anything George Carlin ever wrote. That's it. That's the peak. That's the peak of hilarity. It's like they're comparing getting yeah. struck by lightning to like back, the civil rights movement. Set us or back like twenty that. years. Is twenty years ago to this day, the lightning strike survivors got no respect. Yeah. And nobody cared about them. And then they worked their way up so hard to get to where they are right now. And oh. then Drew Brees faked his death for a gambling company, and they're in tatters right now. No one. <laughs> No one respects them anymore. No one thinks that getting struck by lightning is serious business. I will say, this is my only issue I have with it. Drew Brees just isn't the spokesperson. He's just so lame. When you went to him, he went, I'm shocked by all the shocking deals, (laughs) the lightning deals. I went, this part sucks. Yeah. You got to get someone funnier, someone who could execute this a little bit better. Anyway, it was kind of random that it was Drew Brees of all people that got, and he was, looked like he was wearing Atlanta Falcon stuff, which made it even better. He said it it on Twitter. Oh, did he? Okay. He said, the the lightning struck me because it looked like I was wearing 
Okay. Falcons Again, gear. everything Drew Brees did was lame, but whoever came up with this, some weird, I don't know, person in the marketing department, hey. Congrats. Well, it's hard to stand out right now in the gambling world. True. You got to pay True. me to give my amazing picks, <laughs> or you got to get Jesse from Breaking Bad. Did you know you could parlay bets? <gasps> what? <laughs> what, Jesse? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I can't say the word that he uses. I was going to try to do my Jesse, but you can't do a Jesse impression without using the word. People said I looked like Jesse Pinkman on Halloween. Yeah, yeah. You Basically said, me. Look at it. It's the guy. He's like, oh. People said I looked like everybody. They said I looked like prison break guys. I looked like Jesse Pinkman. Yeah, okay. I did. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> and this has been Liar Joe. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry to the lightning strike. What are they called? It's a very long name. No, I'm, never mind. Yeah. Uh, sorry about being set back 20 years. <laughs> yeah, the tough. Bolt Boys. Yeah, that's really tough. That's uh, really tough for you that you had to hear Drew Brees. Someone said, Drew Brees got struck by lightning. And they went, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like, he's safe. And they went, we're mad that he's alive. <laughs> we're furious. Oh, we wish he was actually struck by lightning or nothing. Be rabble, rabble, rabble. Anyway, that's yeah. amazing. Uh, I didn't know about that part. That's my new favorite part about it. But yeah, I mm-hmm. think it's a stroke of genius from those guys. I don't recommend uh, whoever, this is what's going to happen though. Someone else is going to try to outdo that now and do something else lame, but then it's going to be super lame because everyone's going to be expecting it. And yeah, it's going to not have the same effect. So this is a one-off. The mm-hmm. next time someone does it where they go like, oh, Cam Newton fell off a cliff. <laughs> it's not, it's Whoa. not, it's not going to work anyway. What's next? Uh, some news that will make you happy, I think, mm. or possibly not happy. We'll see. Floyd Mayweather. Mm. Uh, money Mayweather, I might add. Yeah. Interested in uh, buying an NBA franchise. Yeah. $2 billion offer, um, him and his business partner, and uh, some some teams that are on the list. Mm. Obviously, Phoenix Suns are for sale. No way. Uh, but also an NBA expansion team, possibly yeah. Las Vegas, possibly Seattle. Yeah. So, mm. all right. I saw this clip, and... I'm just confused by Floyd Mayweather in general. How much money does he actually have? I, yeah, I have because no Because he owes Logan Paul money. He ducks his creditors, right? He just, people are owed money by this guy. Mm-hmm. And then he's on a stage going, <laughs> and I'm trying to spend $2 billion. So that's Logan Paul. I'd be tearing up my fake Pokemon cards in disgust at this. I'd yeah. be so mad. Uh... Some people say he's broke all the time. Conor McGregor ran his entire campaign on him being fake rich. Yeah. And now he's on stage talking about how he has the money. I just don't know. Here's what I will say. A lot of NBA players love Floyd. And this kind of feels a little bit like when TFC got Drake for five minutes and it was the bloody big deal and it kind of worked for a second. That was like the beginning of Drake. Remember who was the right at the beginning? Yeah. You don't No, during bloody big deal that. Oh, phase. oh, oh. When they went out and got the tiny little guy from the EPL who scored some goals, Jermaine Defoe oh, and Defoe. Michael Bradley. Michael Bradley. Yeah. When Go. they went out and got those two guys and Drake called Jermaine Defoe and he went, that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Floyd Mayweather would be an actual guy in the room and he would be able to relate to athletes. He would want to get guys paid. There's going to be a ton of money. Anyway, I don't, I don't know how I'd feel about it. Mm-hmm. I really wouldn't want to see too much Floyd. It's like, yeah, Floyd is Floyd. He comes with his... He's Floyd. He's, Floyd. He's, Floyd he's not. He's he's not bulletproof when it comes to PR. So yeah, Pete and I would have to be in a club of we're sorry as sports fans club. <laughs> That's as as long as they let me design yeah, their anyway, logo, yeah. I'm okay uh, with that. No, the logo's designed. They're Seattle Supersonics. Yeah, They're not going back to anything. Anyways, we got to run. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five star review. 
share it, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.